1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. This is God's holy and infallible word. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, and not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believe. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory." As we start, just a, a quick refresher on the book of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, you can read about uh, the beginning, the planting of this church in the city of Thessalonica in Acts 17, 1 through 9. Two major topics come up often as Paul writes to the church in this first letter to them. And they're the two topics that are in our sermon series title. One, Christ's coming. Famously, every chapter in 1 Thessalonians ends with the reference to the second coming of Jesus. And at the end of chapter 4, there's a whole section on the second coming. And it's one of the more significant teachings about it in the whole Bible. Two, this topic of workaday living. Paul in this book is very deliberate about showing us how the gospel message, the good news of Jesus that we have and preach, impacts our day-to-day lives. In the first chapter, we read that the gospel came not only with words, but with power, the spirit, and deep conviction. In other words, Paul was talking about when the church was planted, beyond the apostles' words preached, their lifestyle showed the gospel. The gospel then changed the people's lives in this little church in Thessalonica to such an extent that we read the Lord's message rang out from the church in their region, their province, which was the province of Macedonia, then to the neighboring province, and from there everywhere around. 
Chapter 1, verse 8 says, the people's faith was so concrete, it was so visible in their lives that it didn't even require words to be pointing people to the Lord. And thinking of us at Faith CRC today, it means that even as we as pastors seek to faithfully proclaim God's word, we also aspire to have that word plainly visible in our lives, day to day, in good times, in hard times, when we're in meetings, when we're in worship, as we serve together in the church and beyond, in our phone conversations, in private, in our homes and with our families, and, well, at least in normal times, in in hospital visits, visiting shut-ins in our small groups, in the fellowship hall, in the foyer, and and from there, all with the Spirit's help, never in our own strength, the message of God reaches the congregation so that it will ring out. Like among the Thessalonians, in DuPage County, in Cook County, and everywhere, we model the gospel as each of us throughout the region live in our own neighborhood, as we partner with PADS, with Caring Network, Ebenezer CRC, Roseland Ministries, and other special connections with churches in our classes, and then even beyond, the Lord's message rings out from faith as we partner with missionaries and ministries in many places around the world. So the point is, the key is, like Paul talks about, sharing the message not only with words, but also with our lives. And in fact, we're told that what people see usually makes a greater impact than the words that they hear. And a famous pastor once said, a man's life is always more forcible than his speech. When men take stock of him, they reckon his deeds as dollars and his words as pennies. If his life and doctrine disagree, the mass of onlookers, the great majority of people seeing him, will accept his practice, his deeds, but reject his preaching. And so as pastors... Pastor Matthew and I are called to lead the way in our message being more than words. And as I said in an earlier message on this book, I I, I repeat again, even as we're called to lead, we're in this together as a church. I need your help. We all, I certainly have blind spots. And so We need to help each other to lovingly point out when we're not imitating Christ. Sin deludes us into thinking in our living that we're doing all right. And doing all and that doing all right, that that's good enough. And so we need one another and we need to be open with one another and trust one another's words of care and correction. Uh, The elders are called to do this, especially and to lead us in the way of that. But then by their example, we all do it together. 
Going forward into chapter 2 in the verses we read, uh, one very famous student of the Bible, um, a theologian, a pastor, writer by the name of John Stott says that maybe more than anywhere else in chapters 2 and 3 of this book, Paul shares and he opens up his heart. He bears his soul and he expresses his emotions. And in 2 Corinthians 11 and 23 and following, Paul mentions all his sufferings and difficulties and how he was persecuted for the faith. But what Paul says, very interestingly, is that his care for his churches was a greater burden to him than all those sufferings and persecutions. And so we see his pastor's heart. We see his deep care in a very specific way here in these couple chapters. And, and that care is something we're called to as pastors as well. And like in chapter 1, it's to spill over to the whole congregation here at Faith. And honestly, for me, Faith's care has spilled over to me and my family, too, in beautiful ways over the years. And we're so grateful for that. And, and the church has helped me grow in love and in care in my life. And so it's not so much a top-down thing. But this is a mutual growing in the Lord that we do. We're together learning to imitate Christ we're being examples to one another. There's a shared caring that we're called to in the church. We lean on each other. Our verses show three pictures of how we're called to care. And, and there's more to say in these verses. As we read them, you might have noticed Paul's like defending himself and the message that he's bringing in light of people attacking him and people attacking God's word, uh, but we're going to be zeroing in on three pictures of gospel care he gives us. Verses 1 through 6 give us the picture of a faithful servant or steward. The phrase in verse 4, entrusted with the gospel, points us to this idea. Anybody watch Downton Abbey? Sarah and I um, watched the show, and then we had heard that a movie came out that was also good, and actually when we were on the way down to Honduras to visit with Tim and Nan Lurup and learn about uh, the ministry they're doing there, um, we were able to watch the movie and on the plane, um, and for the most part, we enjoyed it. Through shows and movies like Downton Abbey, and books about times past, that's probably the only way we really know much about stewards and servants. Uh, people who would manage household affairs and the property of wealthier families. And the best servants, the best stewards, those who were most conscientious, like Mr. Bates and Mr. Carson, prime examples, they were meticulous about doing their job because they knew they were handling their employer's possessions and property, not their own. 
We today, like Paul and the apostles then, have been entrusted with the gospel. And the gospel is the good news of Jesus. It's not our message, ultimately, but it's his. And we take care of it. We pass it on. We pass it out as it's been passed on to us, however we can. And we take that responsibility very seriously. For me, being a faithful steward certainly speaks to the work I'm called to as a pastor now in bringing God's word, but it also reminds me of working in greenhouses during my college years. By far most of the time, I was inside the greenhouses, and I was doing sometimes very, very mundane tasks, like putting those metal hangers on hundreds and hundreds of pots, sometimes planting plants, often hauling plants from the greenhouses to the warehouse, loading boxes of plants into big trucks. And even after a few years, I was trusted enough to be able to sometimes answer the phones and take orders. And that was, that was a step up. That was kind of fun. You know, I could get away from putting on the hangers, run to the phone as it rang. And that, that was all good. But from time to time, I was asked to take the truck to another nursery. And I would drive some samples of our plants. It was non-blooming tropical foliage, non-blooming houseplants that we sold, so that they might buy from us when they see how great our plants were. And, and so the truck I drove, I think you might call it like a, a box truck or a straight truck. It wasn't huge, but it was much bigger than a car or a van or a pickup truck. Getting on the truck for a drive to a nursery, it was the best. Sometimes it'd be 30 minutes, 45 minutes. It got me out of the greenhouse. It was a whole lot easier work than anything in the greenhouse. And I could enjoy uh, the beautiful North San Diego County landscape. But was I ever careful with that truck? It's not something I drove every day. I made sure the delivery got to where it needed to go. That truck was not mine. The plants I was transporting were not mine. And so I treated them with great care. Plus, one of the two owners was very, very tough, very strict and I would have hated to see what he'd have done if I damaged their truck in any way. And he'd have the right to be upset, right? I was just using it. If anything happened, I'm sure I'd never get to do that awesome occasional job again. And, and we all take that same care with the message given to us by God our Father that Jesus calls us to share in word and in our deeds. It's his. And so we're careful to treat it, to share it, just as he commands us in his word and shows us there, not how we think it's best to share it, but how he tells us to. It's his. He's the owner of the message. We're stewards of it, servants of the word, not the owner. There's a second picture 
Um, it's in verse 7 that we read, it, read, and it's the picture of a gentle mother. And actually, that word mother there specifically refers to a nursing mother. And, and so it's a mother caring for her baby. That's the picture. That's how Paul describes his care for the church. That level of love and affection and especially gentleness. And that brings me back to scenes of how Sarah was uh, with our girls when they were little babies. There's nothing as precious as seeing a mother's love for her baby, is there? Paul talks about being apostles, an apostle is an authoritative word. And so he and his fellow missionaries had apostolic authority in the church, but it doesn't mean they were authoritarian or like a dictator, though sometimes that happens in congregations. In fact, in the CRC and, and beyond, abuse of power in the church is a hot topic. Power can be abused in the workplace. Uh, we've been our eyes have been open to that with the whole Me Too movement recently. Uh, power can be abused in the home, and we think of domestic violence and abuse, usually by the husband, physically, emotionally. But there's also the possibility of spiritual abuse, abuse of power in the church, where a pastor or other leader acts like they are beyond discipline or they are beyond correction. They are beyond input from those around them. And we've seen some high-profile examples of these in two nearby megachurches in our area the last couple of years. We see in our text how that type of leadership in the church is so far off from the example, the apostolic example given to us in the Bible by Paul. Paul pictures leadership in the church as gentleness. Gentleness, being tender, like a mother with a little baby, warm affection. And as Paul's behavior spread to the whole church, uh, we all want to cultivate this pastoral gentleness and care toward one another and others. Not just the pastors, it's all of us, right? There's a final picture, and it's of a father, a father encouraging, comforting, urging. And what we read there, that's the exact stuff that fathers are called to be doing as God in his word calls them to be spiritual heads of their homes. And this is a picture of an effective father leading as God calls him to. I'm wondering if this is true with you as it is with me. There are specific words of wisdom and advice that I've received from my father that have stuck with me all through the years. And I think that's part of God's design, that the words of our fathers have tremendous effect, just as the gentleness of our mothers do. Not that the words of our mothers need mean nothing or the gentleness of our fathers mean nothing, but there's something about 
the words of our fathers. And uh, it's such a blessing if we were raised with a Christian father who at least is attempting to live for the Lord. Something special about the words of our fathers and the gentleness of our mothers. Being an effective father, that picture is an aspect also of how gospel caring should look in our everyday living. Fathers are called to lead in the home according to the Bible, but that doesn't exclude all the rest of us. Every believer is called to lead in various places that God positions us. We lead in caring for others in our lives that God puts our way, encouraging, comforting, urging them in their day-to-day walk, sometimes in giving wise and loving correction too, like effective fathers do. In the end, these are all pictures of the care of Christ himself, right? Of our Lord who pulled us up out of our sin while we were still enemies with him and the Father. And yet, he loved us, he made us his own, he adopted us as his dear children. The Bible very clearly shows us Jesus' faithfulness to his people all the way to the cross. And we read of his gentleness towards his children too, How I have longed to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, says Jesus. And Isaiah 9 says he's our eternal father. And as an effective father, Jesus encourages us. He comforts us. He urges us forward by his spirit in our day-to-day living. And with loving care, disciplines us too when we need it. As you experience his care and respond to it in faith, the Lord makes you a faithful servant, a gentle mother, and an effective father toward those around you. So those three pictures, think once about which one of those biblical pictures of gospel care connects best and most easily with you in your life right now. And as you think of that, make a point of praying that God will work in you so you have that care, that picture of care that really connects with you for others better and better in your life. But it's really all these pictures of care together that the Spirit works into our hearts and lives in beautiful ways. Every person around us needs this kind of care in their workaday lives. Life is tough with challenges, and even without challenges, just the daily grind of work and home and school in this world is not easy to handle, and especially in these days, With our fears about COVID-19, this new coronavirus, our fears about our health and the health of our loved ones, our fears about the economy, our nation's economy, the world economy, and our own finances, as we're all hunkered down in homes, people need this loving, steady 
care, the care of Jesus himself. And may you and I be going to him and experience that care in God's word, in prayer, and even in virtual gatherings of God's people like this one. And let's be thinking of how in these times we can be a picture of that care with the Spirit's power. Who has God laid on your heart in the church family and beyond? What could your care look like? Could you send an encouraging card? The postal system is still up and running, thankfully. Could you make a phone call? We can still do that. Could you send an email? You could send your own email, but also there are some really, if you look around, you know, you see the end of the world sometimes on Facebook and social media and the internet, but sometimes there's really encouraging stuff too. Um, a woman in our church just this afternoon sent me a very encouraging little video in the midst of this that I'm going to be passing along, at least to my family. Maybe in terms of caring, you could share with someone who really needs the Lord in their life a link to our recorded worship services these days. And maybe in the midst of the fear that a bunch of people have, that person will be open to hearing a word from the Lord and from his people like never before as they search for hope, as they search for comfort, or they might finally be ready to have a deeper conversation about the faith, and you can share with them Jesus' care for you and the difference it makes in your life, day by day, and in times of crisis. May the Spirit shape us all into pictures of Christ's care. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again today uh, for your word, and we pray that it would come right into our hearts and lives, come into our church, even while we're scattered throughout the region as we're participating in worship this week once again. Oh Lord, give us faithfulness like a good servant. God, give us gentleness like a mother caring for her newborn baby and make us effective fathers in the sense that we do what good fathers do, encouraging others, comforting, and urging and propelling one another on in our walk of faith. Oh Lord, we're thankful for your word. Work it into our hearts and lives especially in these times where we need your care so much in our lives, where our church family needs your care so much in our lives, and where people beyond who you've put in our lives need your care so much. Make us pictures of the care of Christ himself through your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.